All right, all right. Just a reminder, if you weren't here last week, we are, we are beginning preparations now for our conference March 8th through the 10th. You want you to mark that down in your calendars that there's no way that you plan something to be gone on that weekend because that's the weekend we're giving to Jesus. And uh, we're really expecting some great things. We're working on that now. I really, I really believe, and I know maybe this gets redundant, but I truly believe this, might, this, this very well could be the most exciting conference we've ever had as a church. So looking forward to it. We're working hard on it now as a staff. And uh, we'll be unveiling more of that as we get closer, but really, really excited about this conference. Amen. If you brought a tithe or an offering, uh, as you know, Rich shared, it's Mission Sunday. If you brought an offering to the Lord, a missions offering, if, or if you brought your tithe, we encourage you to give that. We thank you for, for your contribution into the house of God and uh, for putting God first in your finances. So so critical that we do that as the people of God and uh, so critical for the needs of our church to be met. And so if you brought a tithe or an offering, uh, you can give electronically. There's envelopes behind the chair. You can drop that in the giving box in the back, and uh, we do appreciate it. Thank you, Rich, for sharing how important Mexico is to us as a congregation. It's a mission we give to every month, uh, but we just highlight that for you uh, every once in a while just to let you know how, what's happening in Mexico. Praise the Lord. Let's get into the Word today. Can we do that? I'm excited to get into God's Word this morning. Um, uh, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Genesis chapter 1. Uh, we'll, we'll take a, a look at that a little bit later on. I do want to mention that I'm really glad that we're done with Halloween, all right? Because now we can get on with the real holidays, all right? The real holidays. That's kind of like whatever. You know, I know some people really get into it, and that's fine. That's dandy. I'm not hating on you, but let's just be honest. The best holidays are the ones that follow Halloween, and it's always great to get all the skeletons out of the closet, get them out of our Home Depot, all right? And we move on to the good stuff, and my favorite personal holiday is Thanksgiving. I, I'm so grateful for Thanksgiving. I love I I love Thanksgiving Day. I get to I get to go out and paddleboard uh, with Jordan. We get up early, and 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 Bryn and friends. We get up early. We go paddle in the dark, and we welcome the sunlight. Um, on uh, we paddleboard right there in Newport Bay. It's always wonderful. Then we get together as a family. We love we love on each other. We remember all the things that God's done in our life. We celebrate. We pray. We pray as a family, and then we eat. All right. So there, what could be better than that? That's just a, that doesn't that sound like a fantastic day? I mean. And it's just a wonderful day. And so as we come into this season, I don't know if you're like me, but as soon as Halloween is over and we turn the clock and we move to, to November, I begin to think about Thanksgiving. And I try to think about all the things that's in my life that I am truly grateful for. And there's so much to be grateful for. When I think about my family, my growing family, how, how blessed we are as a family and we love each other. Um, I think about all of the friendships, the relationships that God's placed in my life. I think about our ministry here, this family that we call Elevate. I'm so grateful for this family. I'm so grateful for the people of this, this ministry. I think about all of the blessings, all the physical blessings uh, that I have in my life and I, I'm just so so grateful. And, and as I think about it, and especially uh, I, I really tried to focus on that over the last few days and into this week. Um, because I realized that those dynamics in my life aren't the same in everybody's life. And as I was thinking about today's message, I, I began to, 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 to think about, I'm trying to get my mind in the right place. And, and truthfully, it's been difficult for, for me. And, um, you know, it's been crazy over the last several weeks. You know, what Carrie and I have, 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 have kind of been in and what we've seen, the chaos that we experienced what's happening in the Middle East, it's hard to remove that personally. It's, it's hard to kind of get in the mood for, for Thanksgiving and stuff when you recognize the suffering and the chaos and the darkness that's across the world. And as, as Americans, I, I know a lot of times we just kind of move on and kind of go on with our lives, but it's been hard for me to do that. I'm just gonna be real honest with you. It's been really difficult for me to kind of, kind of uh, get in, in the zone of, of, of all these, these, these normal traditions that we celebrate. And I, re I realize I need to do that. I, it's important, it's important for me to do that. And I also recognize I can't just bash from the pulpit Middle East and war and all this. I can't do that on a weekly basis. But, but, but hard for me to kind of reconcile that because it's in my mind. It's just like, it's, 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 it's in my focus. And so I started just trying to think about, about what are the things I'm grateful for. And I, I began to, I be, as I'm thinking about it, I, I also 
because in my, I think I'm a fixer. I want to fix things. And I, you know, people are like telling me, you know, the reason you were there in Israel at this time, there's a purpose for it. You know, there's a reason for it. And so in, in some, some ways I feel like maybe I was there because we're supposed to fix this problem somehow. Like somehow from Elevate Ministries, we can reach into the situation and we can make it all better. You know, like, like, isn't that our, our mission statement? We're to change the world. And as I began to think about it, I began to realize that, that there's chaos and confusion and darkness and disorder all over the world. And then to try to somehow think it's my responsibility to change all that, I, I began to come to the, 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 the sobering conclusion, I can't. Does anybody know what I'm talking about today? Like, I can't, I can't necessarily change the world. And I know this sounds like a bummer. Like, I know you're like, dang, this is, I didn't come to church for this. I know this sounds like a bummer. Because we've been trained to think, even from little kids, that our lives can change the world. Like, we've been trained to think that way. We say it. We make it part of our mission statements and all that stuff. And I think, I think it's incredible, and I think we should have a robust outlook all right, I think we should have a positive outlook, but here's the truth, and I want you to grab this. You're not responsible to change the world. That, that's not what God's called you to do. It's actually too much for one person to accomplish. Like that's not, our, the whole world is not on your shoulders. It's actually on God's shoulders, okay? So it's not your, not your responsibility to change the whole world. Your responsibility is to change your world. And that's why our mission statement is not change the world, it's change our world one person at a time. And so we certainly can do that. We certainly can impact our world. The things that God's placed under our care, the things that God's placed under our responsibility and has given us to steward, those things we're meant to take from chaos to peace, all right? We're meant to take them from confusion and disorder. We're meant to change that and bring things that are out of order into order. Are you hearing me today? We're, we're meant to do that. That's, that's, that's the call of God on our lives. And so today, what I wanna talk about is changing your world. I wanna talk about changing your world and how do we do that. And I'm gonna read Genesis 1, beginning with verse 1. And I actually don't even want you to look at your Bible. I want you to look at the screen because we're gonna read it today in the Amplified Version. And I think it gives us some context and some words, some clues even, on how we can do bring our world into order, beginning with verse number 1. In the beginning, God, Elohim, created by forming from nothing the heavens and the earth. And the earth was formless and void. It was full of waste and emptiness. And darkness was upon the face of the deep ocean that covered the unformed earth. And the Spirit of God, can you picture this if you can with me this morning? The Spirit of God was moving. It was hovering. It was brooding over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good and pleasing and useful. I want you to focus on those words for a second. Come on, say them with me. Good, pleasing, and useful. I love those words. Pay attention to those words. Everything that God created was good, pleasing, and useful. And look what happens next. And he affirmed and sustained those things. And then God separated the light and distinguished it from the darkness. I think it's important that we stop here and think about this for a second. It's very important because our world today doesn't really want to make that distinction anymore. Have you noticed? The world doesn't really want to distinguish between what's light and what's darkness. Society and culture actually wants to kind of remove that separation between darkness and light to where everything's kind of gray. All right, there is no right and wrong. Like you do you, you define your own truth. There's no real sin, it's just your personal preference. But that's not how God created it. Look at it, he distinguished between good and evil and light and darkness. And he calls us to make that same distinction. Just, just saying, all right? In verse five, God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning and one day. And if you'll continue in the Amplified Version, what you're gonna see is this kind of repetition that God created and everything he created, he saw it was good, pleasing, and useful, and then he affirmed it, and then he sustained it. And then we get to the next chapter, chapter two, verse 15, 
And so then the Bible says that God took the man that he had made and he set him in the Garden of Eden to do what? To cultivate it and to keep it. And so let's follow this together, okay? So God created the world. He put it into order. Everything was chaotic. He put everything into order. He looked at it and said, this is good. It's pleasing and it's useful. And then he affirmed that. Are you, are you following me today? Come on, right here. He affirmed that and sustained it, okay? So he's holding everything together. It's all good. It's all peaceful. It's all, it's all pleasant. It's all useful. And then he creates Adam. And he inserts Adam into the middle of good, pleasing, and useful. And he says, I want you to keep it this way. He said, I want you to tend to this. What I've affirmed, what I've sustained to this point, I want you. It's your job, Adam, to ensure that everything that I've created is to remain good, pleasing, and useful. Here's what you got to understand. It was, it's not your job to keep the whole world in order. But it is our responsibility to whatever God has given to us. Whatever he's placed under our care, it is our job to make sure that it's not chaotic, that it's not confusing, that it's not messed up. Our job is to take everything God's given us and, and affirm and sustain, keep it good, keep it pleasing and useful. Are you with me today? And so this morning, what I want to do is I want to talk about your life for a moment. I want to get real practical today. Is that okay? This is going to be one of those kind of messages, all right? I'm going to get real practical because, because I, think, I think it'd be very interesting what could happen if you and I were to take everything that God's given to us, everything he's given in our hands to steward, what if we took all of those things and made it good, made it pleasing, made it useful? What if we sustained those things? What if we affirmed those things? And what if we were just to, this morning to ask the Lord, God, Whatever you've given me to, to, to steward, whatever you've placed in my responsibility, I'm committing to make it good, pleasing, and useful. What if we did that today? I want to I give you three ways that we can do that. Three practical things that you can do right now. Every one of us can start today that we can begin to take the chaos, maybe some of the confusion in our lives, and we can begin to turn that back into order. Whatever's out of order, we can place it back into order, and so we can call it good, pleasing, and useful. The first practical thing that we can do is set the thermostat in our home. Set the thermostat of your home. Set the thermostat of your home to good, pleasing, and useful. So in order, to, in order for us to kind of make this change, we gotta ask ourselves, what is the current temperature of our homes? Right now, what is the current thermostat set to in my home? Is it set to peace? Is it set to joy? It, is, the, is the thermostat of my home, is it set to generosity, encouragement, gratitude? Is it set to praise? So maybe if you, as you look at your home, maybe, maybe even you could think this morning when you left for church today and you think about your home, maybe there's a, little th there's a few things in disorder that God wants you to bring back into order, to change your world that you can bring back in. Maybe there is a lack of peace. Maybe there's some chaos going on in your home right now. Maybe there's some stress. We all go through times like this. Maybe some stress in the home right now. God has called us to affirm and sustain only the stuff that's good, pleasing, and useful, all right? But many times, when we take inventory, and we just look at our home, and we think about the thermostat of our home, maybe we recognize, you know what? I've been affirming and sustaining the wrong things. There's some things that I've been allowing to continue in my home. I've been affirming and allowing to stay, stay in my home that I shouldn't be allowing. So let's talk to the men and the fathers and the husbands today for a moment. Can we do that? So God set Adam in the garden to keep it in order, okay? It was his responsibility. It was an example to the men that we're the head of the home, that it's our responsibility to tend to our own garden. A lot of times what we see happening, especially in our culture today, is men pass the buck to their wives. They kind of give the responsibility over to their wives. And, and, and to their credit, I'm grateful there's a lot of women, wives and mothers, that have stepped up to the plate because their husbands are too lazy to do it. And so let, let me remind all of the men, all the fathers, all of the husbands in here this morning that you are the head of your home and the temperature of your home is your responsibility. 
It is your responsibility. And so what have you allowed the temperature of your home to be set to? A lot of times what happens to us as men is we carry the burden and the responsibility, the stress of finances, the stress of hard work, we carry that internally. And I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm at fault for this, I've done this. And what happens is we carry that stress and oftentimes we bring it right into the home and our stress is ruining the atmosphere. It's jacking up the temperature of the home. Are you hearing me today? We place the blame on all, other, all kinds of other stuff, but the truth is, is our stress level and the pressure of our lives, we're bringing that into the home and setting that as the temperature. We can't do that. But it's not all on the men. Let's talk to the ladies a little bit in here. Can we talk to the women? Can we talk to the moms, the wives in here this morning that allow the temperature of the home to be set by their hysterical, moody, and cranky attitude? Your husband walks in the house after a hard day's work and he's met with all the demands and the chaos and the stress that you carry. He's presented with a laundry list of demands of the things he should be doing. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Maybe the temperature of your home today is set to complaining and negativity and crankiness and frost. Elsa. Elsa. <laughs> your thermostat, what you've dialed your thermostat, your temperature to is creating an environment in your home. And so I'm here today to remind you, never compromise the temperature of your home from being good, pleasing, and useful. And that's the only thing that we will affirm and that's the, that's the only thing that we will sustain. And here's the truth is that's not gonna be automatic. That's gonna take some work. We're gonna have to be intentional about it. It's not gonna just happen because you went to church on a Sunday. We have to be intentional about it. There's this great story that you can read about in, in First Chronicles, excuse me, Second Chronicles chapter 16. And I challenge you to read it when you get a chance, Second Chronicles 16. And it's a conversation that King Asa has to have with his grandmother, okay? And I want you to kind of picture this conversation as it happens, all right? This grandmother had set the temperature of the kingdom. So Israel, the temperature of the kingdom is being controlled by this, this grandmother and, and she's dialed it into perversion. She set up all of these wicked idols um, to Asherah. She set up the Asherah idols were like porno, pornographic idols. And so, I mean, there's this wicked spirit that's, that's kind of prevailing in the kingdom, and King Asa comes into, into power, all right? His grandmother is the one that's dialed the temperature, and so King Asa kicks his grandmother out of the kingdom. Imagine that. I mean, we read it because it's the Bible, and all kinds of weird things happen in the Bible. We don't think much of it. But King Asa kicked his grandma out of the kingdom. I mean, that's amazing. What was, he, what was he doing? What example was he setting for us? He was saying this. I will not affirm or sustain, even from grandma, all right, something that's not good or not pleasing or not useful. If it isn't good, pleasing, or useful, it's got to go, even if it's grandma. Somebody shout amen. <laughs> I, I tell you this because I think some of us, we're tolerating things in our home. We're allowing certain things to continue and it's adversely affecting the temperature of your home. And by allowing it to continue, you are actually affirming it and you are definitely sustaining something that isn't good, that isn't pleasing, and it isn't useful. And because it's your mom or it's because it's your son or daughter, you feel obligated to tolerate it. Are you with me today? I'm obliged to love this person, so I'll just deal with their mess. I'm telling you right now, don't do it. It's your house, and you are in charge to steward it. You're meant to steward it. As for me and my house, Joshua says, we will do what? We will serve the Lord. But what about my son, who's 30 and smokes pot all day? What should I do with him? He's my responsibility. I'll ask you a question, well, what did God do? What did God do with Adam and Eve? He kicked them out of paradise. Why did he do that? Because they tried to change the temperature. They tried to reset the temperature and God's like, you know what, Adam and Eve, I love you. I'm gonna develop a plan to rescue you. I'm gonna cover you. I'll be here for you, but you can't stay here. You got to go. That's what God said. You got to go. Bye. 
And so the question is, is maybe you're tolerating things that you shouldn't be tolerating in your household, and the reason you're tolerating it is because you love that person. Listen, it doesn't mean that you don't love them if you place a demand on them. That's actually love. Are you with me today? We cannot affirm or sustain things that are not good, not pleasing, and not useful. We're meant to love people, all right? We're meant to pray for people. We're meant to treat every person with respect, the same respect that we would like to be treated with, but we're foolish to allow something or someone or any spirit go uncontested in our home. Amen. We're not going to allow any, any person without a spirit of peace and a commitment to what is good, what is pleasing, and what is useful get their hands on the spiritual thermostat of our homes. Come on, somebody. Say amen. There's a few people that God says don't associate with. Like King Asa had to kick his grandma out of the kingdom. Well, God's very clear on the things that we shouldn't allow and tolerate in our home. One is, is in Proverbs 22, verse 24. It says this. It says, do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one easily angered. All right? It's not talking about moments. We all have moments where we get ticked off. All right? That's not what it's talking about. All of us have moments. This is talking about a spirit. This is talking about someone that, that has a spirit and is unrepentant about it a hot-tempered person. He says, don't even associate with that person. Don't tolerate it. In Titus 3, Paul talks about a different kind of person. He says, warn a divisive person once and then warn them a second time. After that, have nothing to do with them. Have nothing to do with a divisive person. We're talking about unity all the time around here. But listen, there's a spirit that tries to get itself into the church. It's divisive. It spreads division. We don't tolerate that here. Just saying. We'll warn once, warn twice. After that, we're not having anything to do. Gone. Peace out. Boom. Proverbs 20, verse 19. It says this. It says, whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets. Therefore, do not associate with a gossip. All right? I mean, the Bible's brutal. Like, it's just totally brutal. Don't you think? Like, you're reading it. It's like, don't even have anything to do with it. Some of you are reading these scriptures and thinking, dang, I got to kick myself out of my own life. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Look what it says in 1 Corinthians 5. It says, you must not associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or a sister. We're talking about people in the church here. Someone who claims to be in a brother or sister, but is sexually immoral, greedy, idolater, slanderer, drunkard, swindler. Do not even eat with these people. And so why would the, it sounds crazy, like, why would the Bible suggest this? And some of you are thinking, but, but how are these people ever going to change if they're not around someone as good as me? Like, maybe you're thinking that. Well, I'll tell you what the Bible's trying to help you with. 1 Corinthians 15 says, bad company corrupts good character. And so the reason God is telling you don't have anything to do with them is because God loves you. Are you hearing me today? And this is not about you sitting on some high perch of self-righteousness. It's about you protecting yourself. It's about you protecting the temperature. This is about me protecting my own heart. It's about me not allowing my, my own heart to be defiled in any way because the temperature of my life and the temperature of my home is too important and for someone to get in there and mess it up. And so I love you, but until you repent, until you change, until your life comes into a, a level alignment with the word of God, we can't hang. Don't, do not associate. I'm going to sustain only the things that are good, pleasing, and useful. Well, let's take it a step further this morning. What shows are you watching in your home? Now, my parents are not like most parents, all right? I can talk about them because they're not here. Actually, they're watching online, so they're, they, they're, they know exactly what's going down right now. But when I was a kid, my we didn't have a TV. Once my parents gave their life to Christ... The TV was known as the one-eyed devil, okay? It was regularly called that in church, the one-eyed devil. So we didn't have one. Actually, we did have one. It was hidden in a closet. It only came out when there was major sports events like the Super Bowl or major news events like the Challenger being blown up. Like, that's the only time we tuned into our 13-inch TV, all right? We didn't watch movies. I rarely went to a movie, 
And if it had anything other than a PG or G rating, there was no chance that we were ever going to see it. All right. But I'm thankful today that it's not like that any longer. The moment I got married, I got a big TV and, 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 and ordered cable. Okay. I watch as much ESPN and games as I could possibly get my eyes on. All right. I'm grateful that some of those restrictions have loosened. All right. But I am also thankful that there's not a bunch of stuff that I've got to see. Like, as an adult, I, have, I haven't had to untangle from a bunch of perverse images that I watched on TV, that I saw on TV, that I was, that I was, I was um, inundated with on TV. I've got a purity of mind today because the thermostat of our home was set to righteousness. It was set to holiness. And if it wasn't good, and if it wasn't pleasing or useful, we weren't watching it. We weren't watching it anyways because we didn't have a TV, all right? So I'm going to come clean with you about something today. Is that all right? I'm just going to come out here and say and be honest with you. Carrie and I were watching a show years back, and it was a show called Dexter. Anybody know Dexter? All right. Anybody watch Dexter? Let me see. Anybody watch the whole series of Dexter? Out yourself, okay? Now, we were drawn into this show. And if you've never watched the show, I'll give you a little background on what Dexter is. We were drawn into this show because it was one of those shows where you cheer for the bad guy. All right? Now, Dexter is a serial killer. He's a murderer. He uses his deranged tendency to cut people into pieces. All right? He, he does the sickest things to people, but he's doing it only to the bad guys. And so there was some, there was like this, there was like this wickedness wrapped in virtue. So maybe it's okay. Like that's, that's kind of how it was. Like it was a really interesting show and I, I really wanted to see who he killed next. But, but there was something that I just didn't feel right about it. Like I just didn't feel right cheering on this man as he murdered someone. And so we just stopped watching it. We shut it down, all right? I wanted to know who he kills next and I'm, I'm curious about it. So if you know, you can tell me, but... But we decided we're not putting this, we're not watching this in our home again. And so I think it's important for us, I share that story because I think it's important for us to evaluate what we're allowing to be consumed, uh, the images we're allowing to be consumed in our home. You need to know what your kids are watching. You, you need to know, God has given you your children to steward and you want them to grow up with as little residue as possible. And so it's important for you to know what are your kids watching? And then you also need to know what am I watching when my kids go to bed? You know a lot about yourself by what you're watching and allowing your, your eyes to consume when, when no one's watching. Maybe it's time for you to turn it off. Maybe you're affirming and sustaining things that aren't good, that aren't pleasing, and aren't useful. And so maybe today, you, you need to decide, like, I, I, the temperature of my home is dialed into some things that aren't good. I got to get the chaos out. I got, I got to get the peace out. I got to get the trash out. Are you with me today? Get the chaos out of your home. Maybe you can start with just eliminating something that you're consuming via your television set. Maybe, you need, maybe it's time for you to set the thermostat in your house to praise. Anybody here today? Set it to praise. Let me be the first one to tell you, I'm not one of those guys that doesn't listen to music. Like when I was growing up, if it was worldly, which meant non-Christian, we didn't listen to it. And as I got older, I began to realize, man, there's some really good music out there that I've been missing all of these years. And so I'm, I listen to all sorts of music, okay? I listen to John Mayer. I, I listen to Tony Bennett. I listen to Coldplay. My, my, my daughter, every once in a while, forces me to listen to Taylor Swift, all right? We got Jack Johnson going on in our house all the time. Zach Brown, just went to a Zach Brown concert, wore cowboy boots and all. I mean, that, that's, that's legit, right? I, Bob Marley. I mean, I love all sorts of music. I'm one of those persons, I like all kinds of music, but I also know that music carries a mood. All right? Music carries a mood, and it also carries a, vibe, a spiritual vibration. There's an energy that comes with music. And so the question is, what do you, what do you need to resonate through your home? Because there's different, there's different times you need different things. Are you hearing me today? And it, could it be that maybe the music that you're listening to is actually dialing the temperature of your home into something that's not good, pleasing, or useful? The Bible tells us that we need to put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. 
Okay, that's an action that we take. He says to put it on. We have to put on the garment of praise. Listen, the reason that we write and record worship music at this church is because we're trying to help you. So that when you're not here, when you're not in this house, you have, you've been equipped with resources of praise. You've been equipped with resources to bring praise and worship into your environment. Because you don't need to live under the fog of oppression. You don't need to walk around depressed all the time. And listen, I've had to do this very recently. Where I've been, my mind has been full of chaos. My mind has been wrapped in confusion. And I've had to dial in worship. I've had to import worship into my ears. There's something about worship, it changes the atmosphere. It does something in your spirit. Come on, it does something in your home. And so if you feel something in your home, if you feel depression or heaviness or a lack of peace, listen, put on the garment of praise. Dial in EMSC on any listening platform and join with Bryn and the worship team and lift up a shout of praise to the Lord and watch how the atmosphere begins to change. Somebody say amen. Another thing that we do is we pray over meals. We're not too busy, we're not too rushed to stop and thank the Lord for our meals. Now, I'm not one of those people, you know, that draws it out because, you know, makes the food cold and everything while we make this big, gigantic, laundry list prayer. That's not what I'm talking about. But we do pray for our meals. We do stop what we're doing, we close our eyes, and we thank the Lord for something that much of the world doesn't have access to. We thank the Lord for what he's provided for us. Listen, we're seeing an entire generation of ungrateful people. that are, They're growing up in society, and the reason is, I believe, part of the reason is, is that grace used to be something that every family did. They sat around the family and they, and they prayed. They said grace over their meal. And today, that's a lost art. And many people in the church are, are, are falling victim to that. You just start consuming as soon as it's thrown in front of you. Or you're at a restaurant, you don't, you're, it feels weird. Or you're with people, it feels weird. Listen, stop and pray. Make it a principle that you live by. I'm gonna thank the Lord for what he's given me, what he's sustaining me with. And I think, I think today, that it's because of these things that I'm talking about right now, real practical stuff, it's because of these things that our home is a home of peace. It doesn't happen accidentally. It's something that you have to fight for. We've set the temperature to these things. Let me ask you a question. Have you set the temperature of your home to hospitality? Have you set it to generosity? My, my mom was a brilliant role model when it comes to this. Our home was a place that everybody could come to at any time. It was always ready. It was always clean. It was always prepared. Like people could come over. I brought my friends over all the time to our house. They would spend the night all the time. They would eat our food all the time. My, my parents never complained about it one time. Why? Because that was something that we did. We constantly had small groups and people invited over to our house where we would share a meal and we'd love on each other. We constantly had people that were struggling live in our home on occasion. This is what I saw growing up and so naturally our home is set, that temperature is set in our home as well. We strive to make our home a place where people, when they come into it, they wanna come back. That's what, that's what we strive for. Listen, hospitality is a gift. It's actually a ministry gift. And, and some of you, you're not using it. And you're missing an opportunity to minister for, for God. When is the last time you invited someone into your space? Oh, this is too close to home. Some of you are like getting really mad at me right now. Listen, we need to be people who do that. We need to be people who do that. Listen, God blesses the generous. The Bible says that those who refresh others will be refreshed themselves. There's something about it. I've found in my life that whenever I pour into and invest my life and resource into other people, I come out of that refreshed and reinvigorated myself. Set the thermostat in your home. That's the first way we can bring our world into order. Somebody shout amen. Number one, all right. Number two, the second thing that we can do to change our world is we, we can rule our own spirit. Point two is rule your own spirit. Listen to this, Proverbs 16. Look at the scripture. It says, he who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit is better than the guy who takes a city. 
Now, here's the thing that this scripture is saying. I want you to grab a hold of this. What this scripture is saying is, is that with your own might and your own power and your beast mode efforts, quite possibly you could take a city. But if you don't have self-control, you'll lose everything you've gained. That's what that scripture is saying right there. And so sometimes, especially in the house of God, we, we love words like power and authority. We, we love the words like mighty. But God in this scripture is elevating slow to anger over any of those adjectives. And so we don't like, we don't think, we don't think highly of those kind of character traits. We think highly of strong, invincible, mighty. We think highly of those character traits, but, but we don't talk much about slow to anger. We don't talk much about patience. But the Bible elevates someone who has self-control over someone who is mighty. In 1 Peter 5, verse 8, look what, look what the Amplified Version says. It says, be sober, and then it defines what sober is. Well-balanced and self-disciplined. Well-balanced and self-disciplined. We can't lose this. This is important stuff, and we don't, uh, we don't often talk about this. We're usually talking about the power of God. We're usually talking about the grace of God to help us overcome all of those types of things. But it's our responsibility, according to Scripture, is to be self-disciplined. It's to rule our own spirit. And so what I've decided, and it's taken me a while, all right, I'm not perfect at this, but I've decided the kind of person that I'm gonna be. I'm not gonna let your bad behavior or anyone else's bad behavior change who I am. Are you listening to me today? Come on, I'm trying to help you today. I, I'm, I'm, not gonna, I'm, not gonna allow, I'm not gonna allow anyone else's. You can be crazy all you want. I'm not going to the asylum with you. I've made up my mind. I'm setting my personal thermostat to self-disciplined, self-controlled. I'm ruling my own spirit. Now, in this life, there's gonna be all kinds of obstacles to that. You can make a decision to be self-disciplined, but listen, Satan is always trying to trip you up. There's gonna be all sorts of triggers that are gonna try to trip you up in this world. Because, but because those things, they have no power. They have no authority over me because I know who I am. When you know who you are, you'll know what to do, all right? And so you can try to bait me all you want. All right, you can try to bait me, but I'm not gonna take it. I'm not gonna take the bait. You can try to get a rise out of me on social media. Many people have tried, they all have failed, all right? You can try to get me to overreact from an email. I'm not going to respond. I'm gonna disregard your insult. I'll respond to the issue, I'll address the issue, but I'm, but I'm gonna disregard the insult. I've decided in my life, I'm not gonna respond out of my flesh or be baited to react. Are you hearing me today? And so if you are someone that, that gets triggered easily, you hear people saying that all the time. If you are someone that allows your anger to lead you, you're allowing your flesh to lead you, let me ask you a question. Did your overreaction, did your anger, did it make things better? Did that response, your two-thumbed response? Huh? Did, 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 did that did, at midnight, did, did it solve anything? Did it make it better? It doesn't ever work. And here's the truth, 90% of the time, our first response is the wrong response. Are you hearing me today? And so if I was to respond with the first thing that comes to my mind, 90% of the time, it creates a mess. But if I were to respond, if I would respond the way my flesh is begging me to respond, my flesh is saying, just do it. Just do it, just do it, you could do it. You could do it, Adam, just do it. Listen, if I did it, I'd have very few friends. We'd, be, we'd have a very tiny church and a really small world. And my wife and my kids would all hate me, all right? So instead of letting your flesh lead, decide, make a decision, commit to the type of person you want to be. I've decided I wanna be good, pleasing, and useful. That's the kind of person I wanna be, and that's what I'm gonna affirm in my life, and that's what I will sustain in my life. And so in order to keep my life in order, I, I know that I've gotta keep myself in order. Here's the truth. I've decided that I'm gonna do my ever-living best to protect you from the worst version of me. Did you hear that today? Romans 12, three, it says this. It says, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. 
Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. So in order to rule your spirit, you have to know who you are. You have to understand that you have weaknesses, that you have tendencies, and it's not everybody else's responsibility to dance around your dysfunction. That's not their responsibility. It's up to you to make the decision, I'm gonna protect you from me. I'm gonna protect you from me. And here's the truth, sometimes, and you know when it is, you know what it takes to all of a sudden your mood changes. And sometimes, and you know when that is, you've gotta put yourself on restriction. You've got to ground yourself because you know that what you're about to say, what's about to fly out of your mouth is not going to be good. It's not going to be pleasing and it's not going to be useful. Actually, it's going to cause hurt. It's going to cause pain. It's going to cause distrust and it's going to take a long time to undo it. Listen, how do you know that? Because I did that so many times. I did that so many times. I would, I would just let the first thing that came, in, a, in an argument at home, I just allowed the first thing that I thought to come flying out of my mouth, and then Carrie would respond with the first thing that she was thinking, and it was never good. It never solved anything. It's up to us to make a decision. I'm ruling over myself. It's not your job to protect yourself from me. It's my job to protect you from the worst version of who I am. Listen, you have the responsibility to your world to rule your spirit. 1 Corinthians 9 says this, I discipline myself and I bring myself into subjection. This is Paul writing. He's saying, I, I discipline myself. He doesn't show up and say, hello, Corinthians. I've had, a, I've had a bad day and you're all gonna pay for it. That's not what he does. He doesn't do that. He says, uh -uh, I tell my flesh who I'm gonna be today. I tell my flesh, I'm making a decision. I give my flesh a black eye. I say to my flesh, not today, devil. I, I, you're taking a backseat. Jesus is stepping forward. I'm gonna rule over my own spirit. I've learned a lot about this in marriage. This is where you learn this the most. Because when you're married, you just, you, when you first get married, you just think everything's gonna be fine until there's a problem and your flesh wants to respond. And, and listen, everything shifted in my life when I made a decision, I'm, I'm gonna rule my flesh. I'm not gonna allow myself just to, just to say whatever I think or respond however I want to respond. I realized that the temperature of our home was dependent upon me. And, and then rather than saying, you know what, I've gotta be right. I'm gonna fight this to the end. I'm gonna prove that I'm gonna, I started saying, what can we do to reconcile this? Listen, our lives, my wife, there is no Adam without Carrie. Like, like there's no Carrie without Adam. Can you even imagine that? Like we're meant to be together. We know that God put us together. The enemy's trying to divide it, trying to mess things up. And once I made a decision, listen, I just wanna be good. I just want to be right. I don't, I, don't, I don't have to win the argument. I just want to have my relationship in the right place. Are, are you hearing what I'm saying today? Give your flesh a black eye. Decide the person you want to be. I want to be good. I want to be useful. I want to be pleasing. And I'm going to affirm that. I'm going to sustain that in my life. I'm going to rule my own spirit. Amen. Come on. We're going to, we're going to dial in the temp temperature of our home. We're going to rule our own spirit. And the last one today is, you, is we want to clean out the wrong things and invite in the right things. And clean out the wrong things, invite in the right things. Here, here's the thing, what, here's what I mean by that. We can hide a lot of stuff, especially in church. Like we can hide a lot, especially in church. We can come in on a Sunday all put together. We look better today than we do 90% of the rest of the week. Like you guys are wearing your best, all right, you're looking your best. And so, so we come into church and we look like we, look like we got it going on. We look like our families all got it going together. We can say all the right things, do all the right things. We have it inside is what matters though. So you can have all the outside things good and inside have a bunch of stuff that God's wanting to deal with and you're just hiding it. You've been covering it up for a long time and no one knows it's there. Jesus talked about this and he says in Matthew 25, he says, woe to you religious people. He says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you're hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and plate, but inside they're full of greed and self-indulgence. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you're like whitewashed tombs, 
which appear beautiful, but within are full of dead man's bones and all uncleanliness. What, what analogy is Jesus trying to make right here? He, what he's saying is, is, on the outside, you look perfect, but on the inside, you're cluttered. On the inside, you're, you're full of all sorts of wickedness. And here's what I, what I began to think about. Who knows these men that Jesus was talking to right here? Who knows what these men could have been? Who knows what these men could have become had they just dealt with these internal issues that were lurking on the inside? So at Elevate, we're not interested in the outside. And yes, we want you to brush your teeth and we want you to comb your hair. Ladies, put the makeup on. We, we want all of that stuff. Come into church looking polished and sharp. But here's the truth. We're not here gathered so that you can look right without actually being right. Did you hear that? And so we're gonna constantly encourage you with messages like these. These messages have a, have a tendency to make people angry. How could he say that? Some of you are planning to have me for lunch today based on this message. But the reason we do sermons like this is because we're gonna constantly encourage you to unclutter yourself, to unclutter your soul. Listen, I hate clutter. I, I hate it with a passion. I love throwing things away, don't you? Come on, don't you love it? I'll open up the, throwing open the closet. I don't wear this anymore. I don't wear that anymore. You throw it all out, all of a sudden, you open it up and it's like everything that I like is here. A lot of times you forgot about all the stuff that you really like because it's being covered up by all the stuff you don't like. And so I love throwing things away. I love uncluttering. And listen, so many people have great things, great talents, great giftings, great passion that are all being covered up by just boxes of old stuff that needs to be taken out. Quite possibly, under the clutter of what's been thrown in your life that you've carried along with you under that clutter is a great man or woman of faith. Under all that clutter, you, on the outside, you're full of stress, you're full of anxiety, and you don't know why. Because you got all this clutter, because underneath that is someone that's full of peace. You just gotta throw it all out. It's time to do some soul cleansing and get everything out that hides who you really are. Are you hearing me today? So that the person that God created you to be can truly shine. This is what God wants to do. This is what he wants to do inside of you, in our lives as a church in this season. There's something special. There's something anointed, world-changing inside of you. It's on the inside of you. All sorts of unique giftings. All sorts of awesome talents. All, all sorts of things. But your soul is cluttered. It's being, it's being, there's trash on top of the gifts that God has. No one can see because it's all covered up. Maybe today we've talked about these three areas. We talked about dialing in the temperature of our home or ruling our own spirit or uncluttering. And, 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 and maybe today you've heard some of these things and you're allowing some condemnation to kind of come in by something that I'm saying today. And I want to tell you something. There is no condemnation. This is simply an encouragement to you to do some soul searching. Because if our mission is to change our world, then, then the goal is to take what's out of order and put it back into order. And in order to do that, we've got to make some decisions, right? We've got to, we gotta make some decisions. You know, there's been so many times in my life, you know, I think what we want is we want that extreme makeover version where God just comes in and, you know, rebuilds the whole house and then you come back, it's all done and, and it's like this amazing thing. But I've found that that's not usually how God does things. It's usually what God does is he brings us to a room an area of our life, and he's saying, yeah, Adam, this stuff has to go. Like, this is in the way. This isn't good. This isn't pleasing. This isn't useful. Why are you affirming this? Why are you sustaining this? And then what I have to do is respond to that prodding, and I have to begin to unclutter that stuff and remove that stuff and make some decisions and make some commitments. And I've had to do that over and over and over and over and over again. I've had to do that just in the past couple of weeks. I've had to make some decisions. I've had to make some, none of this stuff is easy. 
but it's necessary if we're going to change our world. It's necessary. You see, we can get excited about changing our world, but then we shy away from the stuff that makes that possible. So I've tried to give you three practical ways that you can change your world, that you can take what God's given you and make sure that it's good, and make sure that it's pleasing, make sure that it's useful. And those things, and only those things, we affirm and we sustain. Amen. Bow your heads. Close your eyes all over this room. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. God, your word is so powerful. God, your word is so powerful. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your word. You know, just with your eyes closed, your heads bowed, I kind of alluded to the fact this morning that, you know, over the last weeks, my life, it just, my, my mind, my, my soul has been so, it, it just feels chaotic. It just feels chaotic. And I, 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 I sat down with Carrie and I was like, man, are you, are you feeling this? And she's like, yeah, I'm feeling it too. I think God gives us those little signs once in a while because he's trying to place us in a position where he, we can change, where he can do something, where we, where we turn over. Sometimes I think we just get on autopilot and God tries to get us to a place where we, we realize, no, I don't have control. I got I to gotta, I gotta, I gotta turn this back. I got I to gotta fix that. I got to address this. I, I've, I've let things get too loose. I've let things get too lax. And, and that's what God's done with me over the last couple of weeks is he got, he's placed me in that spot. And I think maybe today, if you look at your world today, and I know there's a lot of chaos worldwide, but I know there's many in here today, you're dealing with chaos internally. I mean, you left today from church and you recognize there's not peace in the home like there once was. Maybe, maybe you recognize that, that, that the temperature of your home, it's, it hasn't been set to good, pleasing, and useful. And then you start to recognize, well, this is why I, I've allowed some of, I've been lax in some of these areas. And maybe God's been dealing with it, I hope he has. Because that's God, God's done that with me. If God's done that with you, it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity for you. This should encourage you. Because God's trying to help you change your world. He, he's trying to produce blessing in your life. And sometimes, in order to do that, we got to deal with some stuff. We have to deal with the temperature that we've allowed in our home. We've, dial, we've got to dial it back. Dial it back to good. Dial it back to pleasing. Dial it back to useful. This, the areas in our life we've let go where we've not, we've not operated with self-discipline and self-control. We've got to dial that back to good. We've got to dial that back to pleasing. We've got to dial that back to useful. Are you, are you with me today? Are you hearing me today? Those areas in our lives that have been cluttered, we've allowed just to clutter box on box, hurts, distrust, anxiety, fear. We've just kind of carried that with us. It's time to, time to throw that stuff away. It's time to clean out that closet and allow only to remain what is good, what is what is pleasing and what is useful. Come on, God wants to deal with you. God wants to help you today. So God, we come before you, come on. Maybe you just stand to your feet all of this place. God, thank you today. Thank you today. I wanna, I wanna change my world. I wanna change my world. I wanna change my world. I know it's my responsibility. Come on, would you pray that today? God, I know it's my responsibility. It's my responsibility. If you're a father, say, I'm the head of the, uh, the home. God, it's my responsibility. The, the temperature, the thermostat of my home is my responsibility. Come on, wives and moms, it's my responsibility. Come on, grab a hold of it. It's my responsibility to change my world. Lord, anything in my life out of order, I wanna bring it back into order. Come on, would you pray that out? Anything in my life that's out of order, anything that I've allowed that isn't right, if it's not, anything that I've allowed that's not good and not pleasing and not useful, Lord, I rescind that in Jesus' name. Lord, I turn away from from it in Jesus' name. Come on, decide, commit right now. Anything that's not good and not pleasing and not useful, I will not allow. I will not allow any longer. I'm making, I'm making changes. I'm making changes. I'm setting the temperature of my home. I'm, I'm setting the thermostat of my home to good, to pleasing, and to useful. I'm going to rule my spirit. 
I'm gonna guard what comes out of my mouth. I'm gonna guard what I, what I see. I'm gonna guard what I listen to. I'm gonna rule my, my spirit. My flesh will not have control over my life. Come on, would you, would you commit to that right now? My flesh is not gonna win every time. My flesh isn't gonna win. I've decided who I am. I'm good, I'm pleasing, I'm useful. And I'm not gonna allow anything other than that. I'm gonna protect everyone else from the worst version of myself. I'm gonna present to this world something good, something pleasing, and something useful. I'm ruling my spirit. Come on, make that commitment right now. I'm ruling my spirit. And thank you, God, that I can take out the trash. Lord, that anything that's not pleasing, that's not good, that isn't useful, Lord, you give me the power and the authority over. I don't have to live with it any longer. I don't have to live with rejection. Come on, would you, would you pray that out? I don't have to live with regret. I don't have to live with guilt. I don't have to live with unforgiveness. Lord, you've given me the authority over all of those things. And so I'm cleaning out the closet. I'm cleaning out the greed. I'm, I'm cleaning out. I'm cleaning it out. All of that stuff. I'm getting rid of it. So what the, the true things, Lord, the good things, the pleasing things, the useful things can come to the front that they can be used for your glory and for your benefit. Come on. Is anybody here praying with me today? Come on. Is anybody here praying with me today? God, I want my life to reflect only what's good, only what's useful, only what's pleasing. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said this morning, amen and amen. Come on. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, God. Oh, Jesus, we praise you, Lord. Come on, would you lift your hands all over this room? Come on, let's worship the Lord together. morning I didn't have the time to share this in the first sermon at the 830 I didn't have the opportunity to share we ran out of time but this morning I typed this in right before we left for church today but in Luke chapter 15 there's a story about a woman who lost a golden coin and so the Bible says that she lost this coin and so she lit a lamp and swept the house she lit a lamp and swept the house and I was, I just felt like the Holy Spirit prod me and said that there's some people in here, that's what you need to, need to do. You need to light a lamp. You need to need to light a lamp. The Bible says that the spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord and it searches the innermost places of the heart. Did you hear that? That the, that the, that the spirit of the man, your spirit is the lamp of the Lord, it searches the innermost parts of the heart. And sometimes what we have to do is we have to let the lamp in. Did you hear that? You gotta let the lamp of the Lord in to show us you need to sweep that area. That area is unkept. It's dirty. You've allowed some stuff in there that's gotta, it, need, it needs to go. And if it doesn't, it, it needs to go so that the real you can shine. It's, 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 making, your it's, it's making your life messy. So I just want, I want you maybe just to think about that, that the lamp of the Lord is the spirit. That's God's placed his spirit inside of me. And that searches my heart. And sometimes we need to allow the Lord to light up our heart a little bit. It's uncomfortable to look at our heart, isn't it? Only for me. Only for your pastor. Your hearts are perfect, clean, just wonderful all the time. No, your heart is wicked. Like the innermost parts of your, it's not, it stinks. It's not great, right? And so God allows his spirit to light it up so that we can sweep the house. So that 
what's in there can truly shine. How, why did she sweep the house? To find the shiny piece, to find that, that, that treasure. It was covered up by dust and dirt. So she had to sweep the house in order to uncover what was truly good, what was truly pleasing, what was truly useful. Did you hear that? Sometimes we I gotta do that. So I'm, I'm challenging you, and that's not something that you can do on a Sunday. This is something we do every single day. We make a decision. I'm setting the temperature of my home to good, pleasing, and useful. I'm ruling over my own spirit, and I'm taking out the trash. Amen. Amen. God, help us to do these things as we live for you, as we serve you, as we love you, as we live our lives, God, so that through, through our example, we can change our world one person at a time. Lord, help us to do that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys.